Some say the Bible is just a history text or a book of rules, but it's so much more than that. It's the voice of the creator meant to inspire you. Like how a humble caterpillar goes through remarkable change to become a butterfly, you too can go through remarkable change. It says in the book of Romans how we're able to do that. It says, do not copy the behaviors of this world, but instead change the way you think about it. Because God wants to offer you a life full of good things, things that are gonna be pleasing to you and to him. In the book of 2 Corinthians, it says, do not give up on God and his promises because things are going to be tough, but those things won't last forever. Fix your eyes on God because his promises is what's gonna get us through that. You know, it can be hard to see the impact of a work of art when it's still under construction, but when it's finished, it's so much more than its ingredients. And it's the same with God. Belief in Christ can give us a new mind, new opportunities, and a new life. But in the hands of the artist, you too can be made into a masterpiece. Reborn, renewed, and ready to fly. Well, we are continuing our series on metamorphosis as we really are learning to fly or learning to walk out this new reality of God's work in us. Now, have you ever been frustrated by the reality that sometimes chronology and maturity aren't necessarily synced? What do I mean? Somebody can be equally as narrow-minded or self-centered or angry at 20 as they are at 30 and 40 and 50 and 60. You might think chronologically people would get better with age like a good wine. But the truth is there's very little correlation between chronology and maturity. And that can be frustrating. In fact, many of us have been turned off to Christianity, and certainly our friends have as well, because of that reality. Now, we use one word to describe it. What's that word? Hypocrites, right? Hypocrites, people who say one thing and they live totally different. We say, well, I guess you can't teach old dogs new tricks. But the frustration is, People of faith who claim something is true and then we find out that they have secrets or they have inconsistencies in their habits or conducts. And it's not just we're wagging our finger at other people. We look in the mirror and see the same problem. Time doesn't heal all wounds if you choose to hold on to bitterness. So how do we make those transformations? And if you've ever been angry or frustrated at hypocrisy or wondered like, how does this thing work? Paul addresses that in the book of Ephesians. He says, guys, he's talking to a group of Christ followers who are living inconsistent with what they teach. He says, guys, you are, you are not acting consistent with your new identity. You're acting like who you were, not living in reality of who you've become. You're acting like who you were, not living in the reality of who you've become. Here's how he says it in Ephesians chapter two, verses one and two. And you, followers of Jesus, have been made alive. You've been made something new. You used to be dead in your trespasses and dead in your sins. Guys, you're acting like who you were, not living in the reality of who you've become. Someone who's alive to God and alive to these new habits and new conducts. So back to our butterfly metaphor. Imagine you come across a little caterpillar. 
And that caterpillar, after years of crawling, years of with his multiple legs walking around, he's been transformed into a butterfly. You come up to that butterfly and you say, hey, hey, why aren't you flying? And the butterfly isn't flying. He's just crawling around on stems, chewing and gnawing away at the little, at, at the little leaves. And what's weird is butterflies don't even have teeth. They just have this straw because they're made to drink from the beautiful flowers. They're made to drink from citrus. If you saw a butterfly that was still acting like a caterpillar, you might sit down with that, that butterfly and say, hey, hey, buddy, you're acting like who you were. You're crawling around like a caterpillar. You're supposed to be up there, flying in the skies. You're supposed to drink, not of like crummy old leaves, but experience the wonder of all of creation, all of the different beautiful yellow and red and purple flowers. You've got this straw that God's designed for you to, to, to slurp the, the marrow out of life, the nectar out of life. Well, that's the same kind of metaphor Paul's using here. He's saying, guys, you're acting like who you were, like a caterpillar. Because you're fully forgiven, fully accepted, and fully loved by God, because of what Jesus did on the cross for you, you need to start living consistent with that reality in your life by remembering who you were and reflecting and realizing that you're a brand new person and a live person to God and knock off those old habits when you were once in caterpillar mode. So let's look at those three steps together. How we can live consistent with this new reality and new identity we have in God. Now let's look at that first step together. What does it mean or what does it look like to realize this new identity that God gave you from the skies. Caterpillars don't earn their way up to the clouds, right? They don't try hard enough to get to the skies. No, something from above built into them the ability to metamorphosis, to transform. And the same thing is true in the Bible's relationship to us. Human beings can't claw their way to God through religion. So God came to earth And by receiving his gift of forgiveness, we get a brand new identity given to us from the skies. We're literally, as Jesus said to Nicodemus, born from above. Now here's how he says it in Ephesians. You were made, he made you, didn't do it yourself, alive. You were once dead. You had these dead habits, dead patterns, dead conduct. In your trespasses, in your waywardness, and you're doing the wrong thing. And your sins, you kept missing the mark. You were dead because you kept missing God's mark. Which you once walked, you used to walk out or have these habits in your life according to the course of this world. So that's what he's getting at here. You need to realize that if you want to become a follower of Jesus, and maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're just like, I don't know, it sounds like a bunch of religion, sounds like a bunch of do's and don'ts. So maybe as I'm sharing today about what Christians should be doing if they really were walking consistent with what they believe, maybe you want to think about that and go, okay, now I understand that God in the Bible is as harsh on hypocrisy as I feel. All right, so explain to me why it is those neighbors, those friends aren't doing what they should be doing. Well, that's what Paul's addressing here. And to understand this, we need to jump back to the, the culture that he's writing to. What do I mean? He's writing here to the book of Ephesians. So Ephesians is a metropolis. I got a chance to visit there several years ago. 
And it is a major New York uh, City size uh, city of its day. Monstrous library here and just one of the turns you came down. And they worshiped in this area many, many, many gods. And so Paul's writing and saying, before you knew the God of the Bible, you were bowing down and worshiping statues. And one of the most famous gods or statues in Ephesus was Artemis. That name may not mean anything. How about if I said Diana? No. All right. What if I said Wonder Woman? <laughs> the, the, if you've ever seen Wonder Woman on TV or the old cartoons, the movie coming out, Wonder Woman is based on the Greek myth of Diana or Artemis. So they were worshiping Wonder Woman. In fact, there's statues all over the place there. Diana or Artemis or Wonder Woman is I think a classic example of though you and I may not bow down to statues, it's how the Greeks perceived truth when it came to religion or philosophy. If you talk to a Greek, they'd say, hey, we can't really know truth. We can't know for sure about it, but it's all about the journey or the search the search for meaning, be a searcher, be a seeker. And whether it's Diana or Jesus or Muhammad or Buddha, as long as you're on a journey. However, Paul came with a different message. Paul said, yes, be on a journey, but the message of Jesus is that it's not just a pursuing religion. Christianity is a finding religion. You can find God. While you are groping around for him, he came to us so you can know God's is who he says he is. You can know that God loves you, died for you, and you can know for sure with confidence that you're gonna get to heaven to be with him. Not based on what you've done, but based on what he's done. So where other religions give a philosophy of trying, right? and this isn't just the Greeks and Romans, all religions say try hard enough, pray long enough, be charitable at a high enough level, and maybe, Hopefully, wishfully, you'll get into heaven one day. Christianity says, you can know for sure who truth is, what truth is. You can know for sure you have favor with God. You can know with confidence that when you die, you will be with him. Now this confidence was so um, radical, even in those days, that those who were worshiping Diana and Artemis were like, no, 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 I'll stick with the maybe, the wishfully, the hopefully this works out kind of method. But Paul's message of confidence shook this place to its core. What do I mean? Well, instead of the uncertainty of maybe I can know God, Paul says you can know for sure. And everyone starts turning away from their old gods, status, performance, money, reputation, defining myself by other people's acceptance, or in this case, is Diana happy with me? And they start turning to the certainty of the Bible that I can know that God loves me and died for me. In fact, there's an there's a account in the book of Acts that is so radical that Paul has so made inroads with this message that you can know for sure that you have favor with God that this entire theater fills up with people chanting against Paul and they start crying, Diana, 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 two hours. Now when I was there a couple years ago, I had my phone and I took video of this filled stadium that were chanting out about Diana because they so rejected the idea of knowing that truth was knowable. Let me show you. You walk into the arena and you see this, this floor. And as you look up, this is the theater Paul was in. 
This theater is massive. You turn to the right, you turn to the left, it's bleacher after bleacher, stone bleacher after bleacher after bleacher. This auditorium, this natural theater held 10,000 people. 10,000 people were there saying, no, 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 we're gonna lose our business. We're, We're selling our little Diana statues. But the people in this arena and the people in Ephesus got turned upside down saying, I am just chasing, but I can never know. And Paul offered something different that transformed the entire countryside. What are you chasing these days? Are you chasing enough money and I'll be happy? Enough people being happy and I'll be content? Enough fame? A big enough territory? Are you in the pursuit in which case you're always fearful you might lose it and never content that you have it. Maybe you want to at least investigate the reality that you can know God and know the truth and realize this identity is given to you from above as a gift that you can receive. Let me tell you a story. I was at church just last week and as many of you know, we have an event going on Sunday nights and Mondays called Authentic Manhood. And so Ken Kington, many of you have heard him speak at the church, is doing an event for men about how to be better as husbands. And so they're meeting out in the tent. And what's so cool is that there's guys came up to me just last week and said, this has been so great for me. I've been married 25 years. And quite frankly, there's still a lot to learn. I'm learning how God's vision of who I am and God's instruction on what it means to be married and to love my wife the way God loved me. See, God gave me a new identity when I didn't deserve it. God gave me mercy when I didn't deserve it. God was patient with me when I didn't deserve it. So these guys are saying, I'm learning how to take that reality, what God did to me, and do unto my wife how God did unto me, to be patient and kind and merciful to her. See, that's when you realize this new identity. It it begins to kind of spill out. I was talking to one of our greeters last week, and he said, man, I so enjoyed the group. In fact, he said, I couldn't make it at Sunday night or on Monday morning, so I called in, and I was able to zoom into the group. So you saw from that picture, there's actually some people there live in the tent, social distancing with their group. Other people are calling in and watching Ken via the Zoom group. And this guy was one of those. And he said, you know what's so cool is after Ken spoke, we watched it together. And then my Zoom group, the five of us on Zoom, continued to have a small group discussion together on Zoom, even though we were in totally different places in the city. See, one of our visions as a church is trying to comfortably connect people to God. Through the Bible, people realizing you've got a new identity in God and training us how to get rid of those old caterpillar behaviors and begin to walk in this new reality. COVID has made that a challenge, but we have been dedicated. I've been so proud of our team finding innovative ways to find ways to connect you to God and deepen your understanding of God. Sure, that's been online services, things like authentic manhood having in a tent, putting heaters in our tents so that it'll be warmer as the weather begins to change. I hope you're feeling the new innovative ways our church is trying to meet you where you are. Through the app, through the website, 
through Sunday services at 9.15, 10.45, through uh, family events happening Sunday afternoons in the tent. We're now doing Bible studies out in the tent for women and for men's studies during the week. In fact, maybe you'd like to grow deeper. You'd like to get into a group like I just described with Ken Kington. You know, call up Drew or John or I or get on our website and let's get you into a place that you can begin to grow. And maybe you're saying, hey, are there any financial needs going on? I'd like to give to be part of that. And all the different things we're trying, all the different things we're implementing, we need your gifts. And if you're at a place that you can give, boy, join us in the incredible life change. Every week I'm walking in the door, hearing somebody saying they're coming for the first time, they're back after three or four months, and how God has been transforming them through these offerings during the time of COVID. Now, what does it look like to do that? What does it mean to realize that new identity? Well, let me give you a, a few specifics of what that might look like. These caterpillar behaviors that we might have gotten used to before knowing we were loved by God is we would walk around with, I wonder if God loves me. And if you wonder if God loves you, you gotta kinda prove to other people and be braggadocious all the time. You gotta earn your way to God and always working out of fear that maybe I haven't done enough. I need to prove I'm lovable to God and to myself. I need others' approval. I am what I accomplish. That's a caterpillar way of thinking about your life. You're so much more than what you accomplish. I am what I own. I need to prove I'm right in this conversation with my spouse, with my son, with my boss. I need to hide what I've done wrong. But when you understand what Jesus has done for you, you don't have to hide anymore. I can admit I'm probably wrong here, honey. Let me think about how I may have been insensitive here. See, those old patterns came from an old identity. But when you realize you have a new identity in God, it transforms you with new thoughts. I know I am loved unconditionally. So I can look in the secrets of my own life and whatever I find out, whatever I discover, God's already forgiven me for it so I can deal with it. I've got nothing to prove. I am fully accepted based on what God's done. So now my motivation is not to prove myself. I can finally really love people, not use people to pad my spiritual resume. I've got nothing to lose. I have God's approval. I am defined by whose I am, not what I have. I've been fully forgiven and I can own whatever I might have done. See how powerful that is? In fact, during COVID about a month ago, I had a guy who came and sat with me in the tent. He said, Chad, I'm just really struggling during this time. Loneliness, challenges, and I've got some secrets that are kind of coming out in my life. As we began to talk, he said he was a follower of Jesus. And I said, well, you're acting like who you were, not living in the reality of who you become. He showed me his resume. I mean, kind of not showed it to me literally, but he kind of talked about his successful business and success in this area and his, his what he owned and what he wore and, and the kind of cars he drove. Then he was so authentic. He said, Chad, you know my BMW? I said, well, I haven't seen it before, but I can imagine it. He said, that BMW is something I use to cover up the fact that I've got just as many secrets and just as much brokenness as anybody in this city. As we talked he was actually articulating how he had defined himself by what he wore and what he drove. As we prayed together and looked into the Bible together, I was helping him understand that he is so much more valuable 
than his BMW. He's so much more than his resume. He's gotten into a Bible study. He's beginning to learn how to live out that new identity. So one, we realize this new identity from the skies. But number two, we need to remember some things. What do I mean? Remember not to return to that list I just gave you. Those old caterpillar conducts and caterpillar cravings that you once had. We all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh. Lust for power, lust for identity, lust for acceptance, lust for more, 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 more. Because we're not satisfied inside. We're trying to fill an eternal hole with temporal things. The desires of our flesh, the desires of those old caterpillar ways of thinking. Remember, you don't, you once in the past conducted yourself that way. Those habits and those cravings. But if you begin to dwell on, think about, and understand who you are in God, all of a sudden those old habits aren't needed anymore. You can truly experience transformation. But you gotta remember, it's an active discipline, not of trying to turn yourself into a butterfly, but to remember, that's right, before God I am flying in the skies, I am fully accepted. I don't need to prove I'm right in this conversation. I can disagree but it's not coming from a place of insecurity now I remember this happened to me in a really tangible way it was kind of fun actually I was uh, learning how to sail and while I was learning how to sail I don't do real well with languages so I can learn skills very fast but I don't do real well with learning words Spanish was hard for me Greek was hard for me because the way I memorize words isn't necessarily phonetic. I see the word, and because of that word, I kind of have a mental Rolodex of pictures of words. How does this relate? Well, as I'm learning how to sail, the guy who's teaching me to sail requiring me to use the proper language. Well, I've been boating my whole life, but I've been a speedboater. I have not been a sailman. And he's like, Chad, I just want you to turn the boat. At least that's what I heard. But he wanted me to use the new language. I wasn't turning a boat, apparently. I was tacking to the starboard off the bow of the ship toward the eye of the wind. Whew, took me two days to get that sentence out. And while I was trying to you know, not hit things, look at the, the, the graphic of where we were in the channel and see where the wind was and guess how to put the sail up, all that stuff going on, and I didn't know certain words like tacking or jiving. So I kept mispronouncing everything correctly because I was trying to learn a skill while I was trying to process this new language or terminology. He said, what are we doing right now? We're tacking to the right. Chad, we're not tacting, tact. We're tacking, we're tacting. All right, what are we doing now? Uh, I'm gonna jib to, the, to, the, to starboard. Chad, it's a jib sail. We're jibing, jib and jibe. And I could just feel the tension in me between trying to learn this new skill and learn this new language and my old language. From being on a boat, we call them ropes. He's like, there's no ropes on this sailboat. I mean, there's no ropes on this sailboat. See ropes all over the place. He's like, no, no, no. Lines tie the boat to the dock, but everything that you're touching that you think is a rope is called a sheet. The jib sheet for the front sail. The main sheet is the rope that goes to the main sail. And I could just feel this tension between trying to incorporate a new skill, something I want to be part of, and yet this old language and some of my deficits of learning languages. And I think the same thing is true in our spiritual journey. God wants us to sail the seas. He wants us to fly the friendly skies. 
But some old habits, some old language, some old patterns from the past are keeping us from fully embracing and incorporating what God has for us. We gotta remember not to return to the old ways of thinking and the old ways of doing, but to learn what it looks like to live out this new identity. All right, what's the third thing? What are some of those things that you and I are still stuck in those old habits for? We used to lie all the time to make ourselves look better than we were. We used to need to control everything before we realized God was in control. That's that old language stuck in your head. Jib versus jibe. Worrying as if we could control the universe. Demanding as if we had the right to everything. Losing your temper and showing other people and put them in their place. But what if you remembered that you don't need those old conducts. Instead, you don't need to be a victim all the time. Lust after things that will never satisfy you. Living in fear all the time or seeking your worth in other people's opinions. No. Instead, you can do what Paul mentions third. Reflect on what God did for you and what he did to you. See, that's why the secret to motivating Christians who've been a Christian for 10, 20, 30 years and they're not changing is because they they haven't incorporated and reflected on what God has done. I'm a butterfly. What am I doing nibbling on all these leaves, worrying and fear when I'm made with this brand new straw that comes out of me to to suck up the very best God has for me, to to meditate and drink of the flowers of love and joy and peace and hope in my life. And he says that really clearly here in Ephesians. But God, who is rich in mercy, mercy means to not get what you deserve. God was so generous in not giving you what you deserved. And when you reflect on that, You think of that person you're angry at and bitter at and ticked off at and you're like, they deserve this. But because I didn't get what I deserved and I reflected on God doing that for me, I don't need to give you what you deserve and I can forgive. Because of his great love for us, because of God's great love for me, I can share great love with even my enemies, even those I disagree with. With he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses with those old patterns I talked about, he made us alive. He did something for us we couldn't do for ourselves. Together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised up to the skies. You're learning how to fly here together. He made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come, he might show us the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Have you ever thought about God being kind to you, generous to you, gracious to you? See, Christians don't spend the time daily to reflect on everything God's done for them. Because if you would really daily reflect on how kind he's been, how generous he's been, then you would say, wow, if he's been so kind and generous to me, when I didn't deserve it. Maybe I could be kind and generous to the people I work with, the people I work around. Maybe I should write a check and be generous to somebody who needs it because God was generous to me when I needed it. Maybe I can be kind to somebody who's grumpy and selfish because God was so kind to me when I was grumpy and selfish. Right? That's what he's getting at here. God wants us 
to do just that. And that's what we're about as a church. As a church, we want to create environments where people can come and discover this life-changing reality of reflecting and knowing what God has done for you through metamorphosis, that he died for you to transform you and change you. In fact, many of you have been enjoying these online services, and I hope you're loving it. But if you're at a place now, you're like, hey, I'd love to come back on the weekend. We've been also offering online services as well as in-person services for about 10 weeks. We've got a 915 equipping service. About 100 people can make reservations here in the chapel. And about 200 people can fit out in our tent. And we've got a 1045 exploring service. Now it's starting to get a little bit cold out there, so we've made some additions. What are some of those? Well, we've added some walls to the tent and doors. If you're coming out our back door, we've added a walkway in case it rains. And because temperatures are dropping, it's still an outdoor venue. However, we've added some heaters to keep you warm. So if you'd like to continue to come or maybe come back for the first time, you can make reservations for our chapel or reservations for our tent. Just go to horizoncc.com backslash reopen. Because what we're committed to as a church is creating environments in as many ways possible to help people discover who God has made them to be to comfortably connect you to God through the Bible and a community of growing Christ followers. That's what we're about. That's why we give. That's why we serve. That's why we do what it is that we do. Now, that's why Paul's main idea here is so powerful. Paul is going to say in Ephesians that he wants you and I to work, work out the works of being his workmanship. He wants us to walk, to, to walk out or to deliver or to live in such a way that's that's consistent with works. We're working out love. We're working out patience. But we're not doing it to earn favor with God. We're walking in the works because we are made in his image. We have been created as a workmanship, a transformed workmanship. Walk in the works of being his workmanship. Here's how he says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's a gift of God. It's not of yourselves. Not of works. If it was about works, anyone could boast. Look what I did. For we are his workmanship. And we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. That we would walk in them. How did you see it? He wants us to walk in good works. But why? Because we are his workmanship. The Bible is not a book all about how to be a good person. The Bible is a book about how God transforms selfish people, narrow-minded people, greedy people. It's a book about God's work changing people. As you open the Bible, you see it page after page after page after page. God is making people, transforming people over and over and over again through the Bible. It's a book about God bringing about transformation and those people realizing God's transformed them, walking in works, knowing that despite what they've done, despite all the brokenness they were part of, the God of the Bible made them into his workmanship, fully forgiving them and fully loving them. Do you want to know what it looks like to know that you are fully loved by God? Why don't you pray along with me? Can I pray for you? Just ask God to bring those changes in your life as well. Father, 
thank you for the reality that even when we're hypocrites, you love us. But help us, Father, not to act like who we were, but to live consistent with who you've made us to be. Help us to learn the skills of meditating on these new truths so we can be transformed and begin to change. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you enjoy this next song. I love this song by John Mayer about changes. I think it so speaks to that tension we all have of wanting to change, but also often stuck in that, but I'm not exactly sure how. <laughs>